You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 957 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you in the early evening on this fine Thursday, the NBA trade deadline day. And today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked on Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. So I wasn't entirely sure that Hawks would do anything today, as I sort of alluded to on yesterday's podcast. There was stuff out there. Uh, John Collins was the biggest name on the market in particular for the Hawks. Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish, all kinds of stuff that's been leaked out there. But at the end of the afternoon, before the deadline actually arrived, the Hawks did make a move. It was not one that I saw coming. Uh, it, it is one that makes some sense. And even as of this morning, it was sort of uh, out there in the ether at any rate, but the Hawks traded, at least at this point in time, they're reported to have traded because I'm recording this before the Hawks have announced this move. It's about 6.20 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, but there's all indications this is done. They're just waiting for the official word. At any rate, um, Rajon Rondo heading to the Clippers in exchange for Lou Williams, old friend and Gwinnett County native, a pair of second-round picks and cash considerations heading back to Atlanta as well. Earlier on the morning of Thursday, Brian Winhorst of ESPN floated the Clippers as a potential Rondo suitor. And I know this I know this earlier in the week in private and actually just shared that screen grab today after that news kind of came out. But the Clippers were really seen as the only team that was a potential Rondo trade suitor at this point in time. You know, it's not been a secret. The Hawks have not been great when Rondo's played, as we'll come back to later on in the podcast. But, um, you know, his market, given a multi-year deal, was not robust. At the same time, the Clippers definitely wanted him uh, to some level over the offseason, and they are known to be in the market for a point guard. So it was not a terrible shock that the Clippers were actually interested in Rondo, and once Wendy floated that, things began to, things sort of began to heat up as the day went on into the early afternoon hours, then multiple sources reported that it was close, and then uh, in short order, it was done with... I believe Woj reported that it was done first, then Shams Rania, then confirmations locally, and all kinds of uh, buzz there. As I said before, the Hawks not announced this just yet as I'm recording this. I'm sure that's going to be coming momentarily, and I will uh, tweet about it, slash write about it if that happens at BT Rowan on Twitter. Also, specifically, as we get into the deal itself now, Chris Kirscher reported first that the picks are going to be the 2023 and 2027 second-round picks coming from the Clippers and Andrew Grief of the LA Times noted that the 2023 pick is the second round pick from the Portland Trailblazers and the Clippers' own pick in 27 is coming to Atlanta. So as an overall takeaway, my thought here is that the Hawks are able to get off of a pretty negative contract. I would say that most people in the industry, if not all, I mean, maybe not all, but most people think that runner deal was kind of bad when it was signed. I said that as much when it happened. That was a pretty surprising investment from the Hawks when it happened. He's not been very good this year, so it's a negative contract. And I think that's definitely the way that I feel about it and the way that most people feel about it in a vacuum. The Hawks also get a, a pair of small assets and a little bit of cash for Tony Ressler in his pocket, while also acquiring what I believe to be a superior player from Lou Williams. Now, Lou is not quite what he was previously at this point in time, and we'll talk about him more later on the podcast as well. I think he's better than Rondo right now, though in the regular season at a, at a bare minimum. And the Clippers are seemingly betting on playoff Rondo 
honestly, because so far this year in Atlanta, it's not been very good on the court. Obviously, LA is in the market to win at a high level and perhaps focus on the playoffs, and Lou might might have been overlapping with Luke Kennard, all that stuff. At the end of the day, though, uh, this is a positive deal in my view, and we'll talk about why in a moment, but it's a deal that I like. It's a, it's one that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast regularly, you'll know that I'm not going to tell you that I like a move if I don't like it, and uh, I like, like this is a good move from the Hawks. Uh, a good value. The team, I think, is better right now, and uh, long-term, asset-wise, with the contract, with the extra picks, it's a very, very nice afternoon for the Hawks, all things considered. So, at any rate, we'll have much more on that in a moment, but first, before we dive into all of the machinations, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Sport Trade. Have you heard yet about Sport Trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market, and honestly, it's amazing. Sport Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports, and their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. Making money with Sport Trade is simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One is their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points they score, the higher their value goes. And number two is good old supply and demand. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. And when you're ready to buy their shares, pick that penny stock and a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. And you can instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio rise as a result. Simply go to sporttrade.com and watch the How It Works video, then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sporttrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports, and you'll be amazed, so do not stand on the sidelines any longer. Get in on the game at sporttrade.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, and while the NBA is the topic of this podcast, obviously there are all kinds of wagering options up and down the menu at BetOnline.ag. One of the main things right now is college basketball with March Madison full swing up in Indianapolis and a ton of games to check out in that space. In addition to that, you have the NHL, you have golf, you have tennis, auto racing, MMA, whatever you like, you can find it at betonline.ag. And on top of the sports action, you can also wager on awards and TV shows and reality TV entertainment options up and down the board. You have all of those kind of things. And BetOnline also features real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. The prop markets are a lot of fun. If you don't have an opinion on the side or the total, the props give you another way to dive in on the action. And BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets. It's also free to sign up for an account. Head to the website right now at BetOnline.ag or use mobile device to sign up right now today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the site. Yes, it is a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for 50% more on your first deposit. But online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, with the top line thoughts out of the way, I want to talk about Rondo and then Williams a little bit on both sides. And then at the end of the show, we'll get into some uh, far-reaching ramifications with with regard to the salary cap this season, etc. So, on Rondo's side. I was not shy about saying this is my least favorite of the signings the Hawks made this offseason. I said that a few different times on the show. I did try to paint it in a favorable light when possible. I had uh, Harrison Fager on the podcast from Lakers who covered the Lakers last season to paint off, uh, I would say, paint the accurate picture of Rondo as a regular season guy who's inconsistent, who also played quite well in the playoffs. We saw that a little bit here. The Hawks did. Um, I think to their credit, own it kind of, and just saying that you know a lot of the talk was about him as a mentor, as this uh, leadership figure in the locker room, and that was a valuable thing the Hawks were definitely seeing. 
at the same time, he missed some time on the floor with injury and also just kind of just taking it easy a little bit. Also was not good on the floor when he played. And that's kind of the biggest thing here. There were some flashes, but Ron regretted out as a bottom tier player in all of the advanced metrics this season, like EPM or Raptor or, you know, REPM. Pick, pick whichever one you'd like. He was pretty bad in it. The Hawks were bad with him on the court. They were minus 6.2 points per 100 possessions with him on the floor this season in about 400 minutes. That was the single worst net rating of any rotation guy on the team. So that tells you, you know, part of that's playing without Trey. So um, there's a little bit of context needed, but the whole point of Rondo, in addition to the locker room stuff, was to have someone who can sort of shore things up when Trey left the court. He's not been able to do that as a creator. So from there, you get into the contract and the full salary cap stuff is worth talking about later on in the podcast, but he wasn't lifting up the team in a way that justified that. And it's not a huge deal. I will say this, you know, it's one of those things that's uh, more of a big deal for cap nerds like me or you know, a- analysts than it is for most people. At the same time, um, getting off his salary for next year is a positive aspect of this trade. Um, that was it. Overpay when it happened. It was two years at $15 million total. So swapping that second year that was guaranteed money for Rondo into an expiring for Lou Williams is a definite positive from an asset perspective. And, you know, next year he'll be a year older. This year he's already overpaid. So that's uh, getting off the contract for for nothing. In fact, being paid in terms of um, capital with trade, with with picks and cash is uh, pretty nice, all things considered. So the Hawks definitely value what he was bringing to the locker room and communication stuff and leadership. That definitely matters. I don't want to say that it doesn't. It isn't tangible. It's hard to see outside. But if you listen to what the Hawks have said um, throughout, you know, day about the training camp, they've been very positive on Rondo in terms of the way that he's been, made an impact in the locker room. That definitely matters. At the same time, you know, they, they do have some vets still. They have Solomon Hill, who's a, a respected vet. They have Clint Capella, who's a, you know, an older guy at this point. Not, not an older guy, but been around for a long time, been, been in the playoffs. Lou Williams, by the way, the guy they're bringing in. His experience, he's played at the highest level. So they have plenty of vets in the locker room. Nobody on Rondo's level in terms of experience, but um, if that's the price to pay, I think you got to do it. So as for Williams himself as a player, we'll obviously have much more on that in the future, but Lou is not quite the guy that he was when he's winning the multiple six-man-of-the-year awards. He's won three, by the way. Um, but I think he's a better player than Rondo even now. Um, this year, 12 points a game or so. He's a fourth-leading scorer on the Clippers. His efficiency is down a little bit at the age of 34. He's not quite the dynamo that he was a few years ago. And he's not the passer that Rondo is. The one thing that Rondo is definitely better at than Lou in a basketball court is passing. That's for sure. But Williams is a much, much, much better scorer, better pick-and-roll operator, better shooter. And defensively, you know, Rondo had this reputation at times. And when he when he dials it up, it's pretty good. But you know, play in, play out. He's not very good on defense, and neither is Lou. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Lou's not very good on defense, but the gap there is not that sizable. So, um, you know, what non-playoff Rondo actually is versus Lou, I, I will take Lou in that trade-off. And the Hawks do have this weakness right now in shot creation on the perimeter and being able to attack and uh, being able to ex- sort of exploit the defense when Trey's off the court. Lou can do all of those things. In fact, he was at his best previously in L.A. with Montrez Harrell as a pick-and-roll partner. And if you look at the way the Hawks could operate with either Lou and Clint Capella or Lou and John Collins, that's pretty interesting. Like Rondo's not a pick and roll guy in a lot of ways, so the Hawks the Hawks now have a guy who can run pick and roll like that off the bench, which is definitely helpful. I think he fits in that way. Again, his production role would we're down in LA. The Clippers invested elsewhere with Luke Kennard, but he definitely can still score and pose a threat on the perimeter. I will be interested to see what his role is in Atlanta. There was sort of faint buzz during the flurry that was the trade deadline that maybe he was getting rerouted to a third team or, um, you know, we'll see the role though. I mean, he's going to be in Atlanta according to all the reporting that I've seen so far. 
And the Hawks don't really have a backup point guard at this point in time that they absolutely trust. They have Skylar Mays on the two-way, who they like, but he's more of a combo. They've used him there a little bit. They have Brendan Goodwin on an expiring contract right now. Um, he's not been playing very much either. They have Chris Dunn coming back pretty soon, presumably, but not a point guard on offense necessarily. They have Bogdanovich and Herter, of course. Um, so they have some bodies, but Lou is probably the default packet point guard. And he kind of is a point guard, just not in the same way that Rondo is. So uh, I think that's not going to be a concern for me anyway. Um, you know, Williams can function as a lead guard offensively on second units, but if you don't like love that, I understand. And... You know, playing him with Trey defensively is probably untenable. Maybe you get in a situation where you just got to score a lot. That might work. But honestly, that role is pretty small. As we saw with Rondo, those guys didn't play together a lot. There's just not that many minutes to go around in the backcourt. So having to play him a lot is going to be a huge concern either. So if he's got it going, you can lean on him. If not, that should be fine as well. And even if Lou just slots into Rondo's minutes, that's like 12, 14 minutes a game as a backup. That's totally fine. He's a local guy. He's been with the Hawks before for two seasons. Uh, obviously, a much different regime, different coach, different front office. Everything's different from that point forward to now. But still, he's obviously familiar with Atlanta, all that stuff. So, you know, beyond this season, he is not locked up. That's worth noting. And I'd be actually kind of surprised if Lou ended up being a multi-year guy for the Hawks just because of the contract situation and his age and all that stuff. But he could help them now. I think, again, I think he's better than Rondo right now today. And the fact that you get a better player on a better contract um, and you get two picks, albeit second rounders, and some cash. Again, a pretty darn good deal for Travis Schlank and company. So we'll discuss what the Hawks didn't do and where that leaves them for next season and the rest of the future in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is rockauto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. For a long time now, I've been telling you that Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. And for my money, the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar is tremendous. It tastes fantastic. And on top of that, it's pretty healthy as well. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and 100% chocolate on all of the bars. And now, here late in the month of March, is the best time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. You can vote in our bracket over at BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter. And today's matchup for your voting pleasure is a matchup between Mint Brownie and Coconut Puff. I would lean towards mint brownie. I don't want to tell you what to do. That's just my personal opinion. But Coconut Puff is also very, very good. And there's all kinds of fantastic options. You can learn more about them all as well as vote for your favorites at BuiltBar.com. And when you get there, remember to use the promo code LOCK15, 15% off your next order with Built Bar. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and will become the best tasting protein bar. One more time, that is promo code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. Okay, and before we get to the future of the Hawks, um, I will just say this as sort of a wrap-up as the sort of present term. Atlanta's 
essentially the same team they were yesterday. Um, I think a little bit better with Lou versus Rondo, but not a huge swing. I think it's sort of a reasonable upgrade, but nothing that's going to move the needle a ton. Big picture for the Hawks right now. The big thing is not trading John Collins or not trading Bogdanovich. That's definitely noteworthy. Um, the Collins dynamics are definitely interesting here. Um, holding on him through the deadline puts the Hawks back in the driver's seat in terms of keeping him long-term, obviously, either just by signing him on their own or matching an offer sheet. They could still sign and trade him, so there's no lock that he's going to get away. But Travis Schlenk's kind of signaled that they're not going to let him go for nothing, most likely. So I think, you know, if you made me bet today whether he stays long-term, I would probably bet yes, just out of logic and out of all the options. Most of them have him staying in Atlanta. So if you are a big John Collins supporter, as a Hawks fan, you're definitely happy about him not being traded at this point in time. And, and you know, I, I kind of said yesterday and previous to that that I would not I would not be looking to trade John unless the deal was like overwhelming and that obviously was not out there. So I think it's a good thing for the Hawks to keep John long term. He's a good player. He's a young he's a young guy, and I think you know I've always liked John. So that's a good result I think if you were a Hawks fan, short and long term. And they kind of made the active decision not to move him, which is a pretty good sign if you're uh, definitely on, on on the side of Collins. Same, same with Donovich and Reddish and all those guys. The Hawks keeping their core together at this point, um, is good. That helps the team this year. I think it helps it long-term as well. We'll see what the full roster looks like, but at least that would be the hope. But with Chris Dunn coming back and Reddish coming back, you would hope, pretty soon, Atlanta's roster will be better than it was to this point in the season. I said this before, but the Hawks are 500 right now, despite a ton of injuries. And the schedule the rest of the way, after this West Coast trip especially, is pretty soft. So you're at a good spot, I think overall, especially if guys run, run back into form. And they've been able to do this without Hunter for so long and Gallinari and Bogdanovich who missed a bunch of time. So pretty upbeat, I think, if you're a Hawks fan right now about the situation as it is in the present. As far as future salary is concerned, uh, it's pretty interesting as well. You get off Rondo's deal for next summer, uh, sorry, for next season, which is $7.5 million guaranteed. That isn't going to change the entire trajectory of the team and their roster and their salary cap. But it does bring the Hawks to about $93.5 million in committed salary for next year. And that's down where, down where it was before. So I want to kind of give an overview of the salary cap real quickly. Um, it's kind of tough in this form, but I'll try my best. Um, $93.5 million in guaranteed salary for, for about 10 guys. That includes um, five guys on rookie deals. That's Young, Hunter, Reddish, Herder, and Akongwu, all on locked-in cheap contracts for next season. Then you have Gallinari at about $20.5 million. Bogdanovich at $18 million, Capella at about $17 million. Chris Dunn has a $5 million player option, which I'm going to include as an opt-in. He doesn't have to opt-in, but I think he probably will. If you made me guess right now, I would certainly say that he probably will. And then Bruno Fernando at $1.8 million or so for next year is guaranteed. Then you have Skylar Mays and Nathan Knight, who are not locked into money, but they're under control by the Hawks. They have match rights on them. We'll see what happens there. Um, and then beyond that, you have a few free agents. You have Tony Snell is expiring this year. You have Solomon Hill. You have Brandon Goodwin and Lou Williams will all be expiring contracts. So we can bring those guys back if you want to, uh, particularly Snell, I think would be interesting, but that's a uh, different podcast for, different, for a different day. Anyway, if you factor in the hold for Atlanta's own first round pick, which is probably going to be somewhere in the mid to late first round, you would hope if you're a Hawks fan, is about two and a half million dollars there. So that adds, that, if you add that to the guaranteed salary, you're, you're about $96 million in committed salary for next season. From there... John Collins is a cap hold that you have to keep on your books if you want to sign him, um, at least have match rights on him, and the Hawks are going to do that. So that, that's $12.4 million that you have to keep on your books. So if you add that to, to 96, you're at about $108.5 million. That does, again, include Chris Dunn's player option. You have to assume that's picked up right now, I think, if you're the Hawks, but um, obviously subtract $5 million if you think he opts out, which I don't think he does. Um, 
That's $108.5 million in committed salary, barring trades. They obviously could make trades to shed guys or add guys, but that isn't a ton of flexibility on a projected salary cap of about $112 million for next year. And as a note, the luxury tax is projected to be about $135 million or so. So, big picture, even if you were to give John Collins a max contract, either giving it to him or matching his salary, and again, that's on the high end. It definitely, I mean, it's, it could certainly happen, but I would not necessarily project that. But even if you, if you assume the max for John, in year one, it's about $28 million. That's a lot, but it wouldn't take them into the tax as it is now. In fact, it wouldn't even be any cl- anywhere close because with Rondo gone, you still could have had Collins in the max and not gone into the tax, but it would have been a little bit more difficult. With Rondo gone, you could have Collins at the max and still use the mid-level exception and not be in the tax. And that's a big thing for next season. Um, so that, you know, simply put, that's not going to stop them from spending. And the luxury tax is not like a punitive penalty. Obviously, the Hawks going into the tax would be noteworthy. But for now, I would say uh, that does matter in terms of flexibility. So they have about $16 million or so in cap space if Collins were to leave, which is a lot more than they would have had before this because of Rondo's deal. Um, and they can get that up to about $21 million if Chris Dunn were to opt out. They could obviously get that even higher if they were to get off of guys like, you know, Bogdanovich or Gallinari, but $16 million is the number I'll work with in terms of cap space if John leaves. That isn't a ton. Like, you're, you're probably better off paying John Collins than you are trying to fill that role and fill that talent with $16 million in cap space. So keep that in mind as well. And the last thing, the Hawks have um, some decisions to make this summer on their rookie scale guys, at least two of them. Trey Young is a very obvious max extension guy. I think it will be a shock to me if he's not signing a max extension this summer in various forms, whether it be player option or whatever is the negotiation point. But I'll be surprised if he's not signing a max contract um, this summer. And then Kevin Herter is on the same draft as Trey Young, so you can can extend him as well after the season. Um, Just as a note, regardless of what happens this summer, Young and Herter are locked in for those salaries for next year at pretty cheap. Any extensions would, would kick in the following year. So you have one more year to kind of spend as if Trey is not making a ton of money. And then the following year, Trey's going to be making a lot of money. So keep that in mind. Anyway, so the Hawks are in good shape, I think, cap-wise. They already kind of were in decent shape. But it's, it's again, not, not, I don't want to overstate it, but getting off Rondo $7.5 million gives them some extra flexibility with regard to the cap and the tax. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Hawks now bring back all of their core guys for next season with the potential exception of Collins. And even then, they have control over Collins. He can he cannot get away unless the Hawks choose to let him get away, whether by, whether by price or by sign and trade. So I think this is a good day for the Hawks. It's maybe not like a landmark all-time day for Atlanta on March 25th, 2021, but it's a good day. They made a good trade and a good value trade. You know, I've, I've picked on Travis like at times for his value assessments. This is a good one. I think kind of full stop. This is a good move for Atlanta. And then not trading John, not trading Bogdanovich. This is a good team. I think we've seen that already. Like, is it a great team right now? No, but it has obvious upside with all young guys. You have a star in Trey. You have Collins, who's a budding, a budding standout player. You have Clint Capella, who's been a borderline defensive player, defensive player of the year candidate. You know, DeAndre Hunter's obviously had a breakout this year. So all this positive stuff, the Hawks should be a playoff team. Unless something goes haywire in the next couple of months, in my view, they're very likely, according to the projections, according to my own brain, to be a playoff team this season as well. So I think everything's trending up. I know the Hawks have lost their last two games, but overall, taking a step back, it was a good day for the Hawks. It's been a good month for the Hawks, and uh, we'll leave it there for now. Last thing. Uh, before we get out of here, the Hawks do play on Friday night. They're in 
uh, they're in, I almost said Oakland, San Francisco to play the Warriors without Steph Curry. The Hawks are favored in the market right now to win that game. Um, part of that's because Steph is not playing. Part of that's that the Hawks are playing pretty well right now, and the Warriors are not pretty good without Steph. So uh, no injury report at this point in time. That'll be coming. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll definitely see that tweeted out later this evening. But I wanted to get this podcast up as fast as possible to analyze the trade and uh, sort of the other non-activity the Hawks did. So please subscribe to the podcast. Check out Peachtree Hoops for written content. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. Again, rate and review. Tell your friends if you enjoy the show. And we'll be back again on Friday evening. So we'll see you then.